Hey gang, before this next episode starts, I'd just like to say it was recorded at Les Cargo in Soho, upstairs in the members area, where I was invited as a guest by the person I'm interviewing, and it was a wonderful setting, and we were having such a wonderful conversation, we failed to even discuss where we were, and I think that uh, pays tribute to the fact that it was such a nice place to just sit and talk with my guest, and I was his guest at the club. Okay, wow, that was um, Henry Mancini's theme to the Pink Panther. And it seems a very appropriate theme song for this episode because it sort of captures the essence of dapper and the essence (laughs) of scrappiness, scruffiness. And I think that maybe this is the perfect theme song for me to be with the man I'm interviewing now, one of the more dapper men in London I know, Douglas Blyde. And I'll I'll take the uh, the title of the... uh, Scruffiest of the Londoners. Anyway, Douglas is here. Hello, Douglas. Hello, Chris. And uh, I'll let you refine the definition, but you are uh, you're an Evening Standard magazine columnist. You're the editor of Wine List Confidential, a drinks presenter, a gastronomy consultant, and uh, one of the best spoken people I know as far as the food and drink world goes. So thanks for... Uh, Best speaking with me. How are you doing? What an introduction. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> Let me take a breath now. Yeah, how are you? I'm well. The theme, actually, the Mancini theme is quite amusing, really. I actually uh, got married to that tune. Wow. <laughs> That's the, the guest sat to the Pink Panther. It was quite a, okay. a different way of, of doing it. Did you Do you have a, uh, is there a history with the song for you? Or I've always liked it, okay. really. It's that sort of... I don't know, that hopscotch of notes that somehow come together and, and work and that's really a bit like my life in terms of uh, being able to discuss, talk, make a living, supply from uh, the good things in life and okay. you know the random notes come together in a, in a harmony often. Yes. Yes, yes. Well, the good things in life, you say that, so we were just talking before I started recording, we've probably known each other 10 years and when I see you, it usually is some sort of celebration of the good things of life. I'll walk into a restaurant or a room, and if I see you there, I'm like, okay, this is going to be nice. <laughs> I'm going to eat or drink something <laughs> wonderful. So how did you make that happen, uh, making a living off the uh, good things of life? Well, it really, I think, started when I was aged 13, and I actually built quite a comprehensive bar in my bedroom. Oh, okay. It was in my parents' house. The bar remains, though it's fully depleted now. Right, yeah. And I've recreated bars elsewhere. But I was interested in collecting labels, really. Plants, when brewed, fermented, distilled, take on such different characters, particularly when it's wine-related to the Mm -hmm. original ingredient. And even as a tentative 13-year-old, nosing those bottles, collecting the attractive labels was was a a start of things to come. Okay, wow, that's very interesting. So you... Then, uh, through your teenage years, you, you developed more of an appreciation and understanding, and you decided at some point you wanted to write about these things. Were you always a writer? Or? I always had an interest in okay. writing, particularly fiction, and definitely the concept of telling stories about good producers has been productive, really. It's yes. been a good conduit. But I also worked in an English vineyard when I was 
17, 18, 19. Okay. And that was an interesting point in my life because English wine was really considered a bit of a joke, actually, right, at the yeah. time. It's no longer that way at all. It's a, a great investment strategy to start an English vineyard now. It was never uh, in the past. You can actually make money out of them if you're, if you're careful in the best scenario, yes. uh, but actually working against adversity and telling the story of English wine as a, as a tour guide, going into the vineyards, getting sprayed by um, you know, various different mixtures, Bordeaux mixture, copper sulfate, <laughs> it, was, right. it was a rite of passage. Okay, okay. Wow. Well, I'm guessing uh, this year's vintage is going to be pretty tasty. It's it's all the right conditions for a really good wine, I'm guessing. Yeah, just like super hot. It's stressing the grapes. Am I correct? Thus far, the past two years of English wine harvest have been quite small. And at the moment, the vines, I've just been looking at the vines at Night Timber, for example, they're absolutely laden with juicy looking grapes. Oh, wow. We normally need a Indian summer we need a, a long hot autumn mm. to ripen english grapes okay uh, i don't think we'll we'll need that at this time it looks like an early harvest so it's becoming more like france perhaps so perhaps yeah yeah, yeah parts wow. of france definitely okay okay well one thing i've always liked about your writing is you have a tone and you stuck to it. I mean, I, I guess it's safe to say you're a better writer now than you were in 2008, but it's still that same voice. And was that always there, even when you were creating your bar as a 13-year-old? Or is that something you've honed, or just something that's there and it's developed naturally? It's a bit like trying to change one's handwriting. It's, it's hard to do, but what I have hopefully made inroads while keeping the tone in is is actually being a slightly less elaborate writer so there was an actual editor i once had who described my writing back in 2008 as like oscar wilde with a severe head injury oh. <laughs> and i sort of saw what he meant i could see the oscar wilde not the not the head injury okay okay so i've well. actually tried to sort of pull back a bit and you know having a 300 word column it really yes. does make okay. you more strict sure what you get across because you still want to get across the same amount of, of feeling and information and you literally have to pull back on the superlatives and adjectives generally. Yes, as much as I cringe when I see an uh, email from, from one of my editors, there's usually good advice <laughs> in it, and I need it, I need it. Uh, so when did you start the column for the ES? This was November, a couple of years ago now. Okay, okay. Yeah. Very cool, and that, that's mostly wine, but not just wine, right? You write about spirits and food and things, right? I try to cover all manner of, of details, actually. Okay. And, uh, often I will be able to write about things that aren't specifically alcohol related, but then mm. have alcohol around them. Okay. Uh, so, for example, I interviewed the designer of Annabelle's, Martin Brunitsky, right, at yeah. George Smith Furniture, and he had just, Martin had designed a range of cocktail furniture with George Smith, okay. some of which appears at Annabelle's. And so I was able to devise a cocktail and write about the cocktail, but also really talk about Martin in that article. Sure. Uh, so I tend to really make the columns about people, uh, individuals who have made a difference, continue to make a difference. Okay. They're often distillers, winemakers, brewers, but also restaurant designers, furniture designers. Right. They're music designers sometimes of venues. So drinks would be a gateway to a greater discussion of just what makes a person tick. As they should be. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, 
how do you then, uh, let's talk about this. How, do you give advice in your columns and, and things you write, like what people should be looking for if they want to get into wine? Are you, are, are, are you writing already as someone has an understanding of what they like and you're just riffing on it? I tend to try to make the columns useful, but mm -hmm. they're not going to be three roses for £10 each. Sure. Uh, Fifty Shades of Pink. It's, that's not my, my remit. I try to make it a bit more intriguing to read with a, with a narrative. Uh, in terms of giving advice and so on, it's it's more in uh, on an individual basis in terms of recommending to clients such as the owner of the Evening Standard, mm -hmm. wines, spirits, various uh, indulgences in, in food terms to, to enjoy. And I also have that service towards banks and towards other private clients and, and okay. also consultancy missions for brands. So how does that work? Someone... For example, the owner of the, of the Evening Standard comes to you and he's planning a dinner or he wants to... I mean, yeah, how does it work as a consultant? How do they come to you and then what kind of information do you provide? Well, he found me through, via three people who recommended me, two of whom I've uh, found and one I'm, I'm still not sure who, who that last missing piece of the puzzle is, but All it's right. proved an incredible opportunity to be able to advise somebody of that stature, Yevgeny Lebedev. And uh, I think that uh, to actually accommodate his requests for very specific dinners and events, some of the uh, events are actually with the newspaper as well, like the Theatre Awards, has been a challenge. Sometimes alcohol won't be served at all. I'll be charged with finding a specific tea, single estate Hawaiian uh, micro lot tea garden tea. Uh, it might be uh, that I'm looking for serious adult um, soft drinks, soft drinks right. that have tannin and chili that really sort of behave like wine. They're a little difficult in the glass, but they actually make you come back to them and consider them and slow down with them. So it's not always just about the alcohol, but about every aspect of, of what is what is imbibed. Okay, very cool. And do you find it's more a job of making things happen and connecting points or educating your, your, your client or both? It's a bit, most of the time, like being a specialist concierge mm -hmm. to know where to find things, whether it's a particular ancient vintage Armagnac or whether for clients it's actually getting drinks aboard a yacht in Monaco or Olbia in northern Sardinia. Right. It's being able to, at a moment's notice, get things even onto a jet on the runway, which is nearly taxing, <laughs> taxiing. It's certainly taxing. Um, so it's it's really having this, this spider's web of, of contacts. I was gonna say, that's a lot about knowing people, right? Definitely. Yeah. And I think sometimes my clients have got less demanding. They haven't, I've just got better at dealing with their requests, more anticipative and, and having that wider network available. Okay, okay, wow. Got any crazy stories of requests? You want to share? There's there's countless uh, amounts of requests. Okay. Uh, there's there is the the getting uh, bottles of, of double magnums of, of uh, Italy's finest white wine onto uh, the tarmac at uh, at Farnham at Farnborough. There's uh, you know getting um, uh, caviar at the last minute um, for a tasting. There's all, all manner that they've they've become quite normal these requests okay. I, I no longer stress out like I used to yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. Wow. 
That's impressive. Yeah, I think Pink Panther again. This theme is perfect, man. <laughs> I am seeing this like international man of mystery coming together here, Douglas, in a way I'd, I'd never quite appreciated. A bit of a sleuth aspect to it too. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, huh? Um, wow. Well, what else, man? <laughs> I'm really enjoying actually doing consultancy. Okay. Actually being on board with brands from the start and actually having uh, a part of the story with my uh, name, my feelings, my sentiments attached to it and mm-hmm. you know, bringing on board one of the world's most awarded rums into the market and helping with, with sort of outer Hebridean gin, uh, bringing interesting people in, into, into the fold and uh, I'm finding that much more interesting than, than I thought it would be. So I think actually having a, a, a story and in, in bringing brands is, is proving yeah. really fun. Do you ever roll your eyes at anything? I do a, a lot, absolutely. A lot of pink gins bother me at the moment. Okay, I'm pink panther, cool. Pink gin, no. I'm a purist at heart. Okay, my okay. ideal version of vodka or gin is is basically the neat Duke's Martini. It's getting to the the heart of things, the okay. core, and trying to get away from the fluff. Well, I, I'm with you there. And is that sort of how you determine the quality of a, of a brand or a product? Is is it a pure essence and or how, how do you go about deciding what's quality and what's not? It's definitely got to have a purity of flavor, and mm-hmm. a, but also a good narrative. And okay. I think that the people behind the products have to be solid and, and intriguing and be able to tell a, a compelling story. Okay. I think that's the definition of craft, really. It's, it's a really genuine story from somebody who is hands-on and if you were to phone the distillery, the vineyard, the brewery, you can actually speak to the person who makes it within yes. a few minutes ultimately. Yeah, I guess it's as few steps in between the producer and the the, uh, the person enjoying the product as possible, maybe is a possible definition of craft. It's a, it's a good definition. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, what are you looking out for in the future? What's, uh, what's, what's going to be on the horizon? Intriguing. Looking to the future, I do worry about the, the state of the plants, how, how they're going to be stressed in the heat, really. Yeah, and uh, we're all to do with plants. You know, Everything yeah. we do in, in this world is about plants, and that definitely applies to alcohol. Every yes. alcohol has some degree of plant-based uh, um, stature, really. Sure. But I spent some time in China this year. Okay. And indeed last year, visiting this year vineyards in Ningxia, the, I think, ability, the speed at which uh, wines are coming up is absolutely staggering. The can-do new world and sort of old world attitude, new world in the dynamism, old world in the style of the wines, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, that's really something to to watch. I'm also watching Canada for sure, England, and uh, really... I'm seeing quality levels just absolutely rise in, in, with, okay. with drama in these places. Okay, oh, very cool. And if people want to find out more about you and, and what you do, how can, how can people look you up online? I would direct them to my favorite form of social media because it's, it's visual and creative and ultimately positive, Instagram, okay. and they just search my name, Douglas Blyde. B-L-Y-D-E. Correct. Okay. Well, Douglas, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. <laughs>